Hello, this is Richard Schulte-Hoster from Black Creek to provide an update on fixed income within the Black Creek Global Balance Fund on July 23rd, 2020. I'm going to give a brief overview of what we're seeing in fixed income markets, and then I'll summarize a recent change in our thinking of a bond holding in the fund. The COVID-induced downturn has indeed left a swath of damage to economies around the globe. During April, the unemployment rate in the U.S. went from 4 to 14 percent. In Canada, it went from 6 to 13 percent. Second quarter GDP is expected to contract 30% on an annualized basis. Europe's slowdown was less drastic thanks to an already existing government-subsidized employee retention program. However, they too are experiencing a severe contraction. In a contraction of this magnitude, we would normally see incomes in the U.S. going down, savings going down, house prices go down. But during this contraction, we're seeing the opposite. Incomes are up, savings are up, Home prices are up. Why is that? Well, the answer is government stimulus. Stimulus from both central banks and governments. Expanded unemployment insurance and stimulus checks have been so large that in the U.S., 60 to 70% of the unemployed are making more money than they were when they were employed. To put this $2 trillion stimulus package in perspective, in one single quarter, the U.S. took on more debt than it did in all of 2008 and 2009 combined. We question the sustainability of this spend, but these are curious times indeed. Despite the increase in debt, longer duration global, global government bond yields declined and prices increased on the back of expectations of slower growth, lower inflation, and continued zero or near zero central bank interest rate policies. In the U.S., the 10-year Treasury yield has declined over one full percentage point this year and now yields a paltry 0.6%. Coupled with the fiscal stimulus spend, the Federal Reserve announced that they will buy up to $750 billion of corporate bonds directly and via ETFs. The Bank of Canada is willing to buy $10 billion of corporate bonds and the Bank of England is willing to buy $10 billion uh, pound sterling. Of, of corporate bonds. These actions have contributed to very buoyant credit markets. It has also allowed companies to access liquidity at a record pace. For example, as of June, year-to-date U.S. investment-grade companies have issued a whopping $1.3 trillion of new bonds, almost twice the amount compared to this time last year. All of this stimulus, all this liquidity has raised the valuation of investment-grade corporate bonds to new all-time highs. Generically, yields in this sector have dropped below 2%, almost a full percentage point lower than the start of the year. Yields in the U.S. high yield segment, on the other hand, remain higher than the beginning of the year level than beginning of the year levels, mainly due to concerns of high leverage in certain COVID-affected sectors such as travel, retail, and commodities. As we've discussed in the past, we continually rank the returns available to us from government bonds investment-grade bonds and high-yield bonds, and allocate to the bonds that, in our view, offer the most attractive returns while taking into consideration the risk and that we are constructing a well-diversified portfolio. Currently, U.S. high-yield remains at the top of the list, in our view. But when we're buying a bond issued by a company that is rated high-yield or below investment-grade, we have to have a view that the company is a winning business, not just a company with more leverage or higher debt levels. That is, it's gaining market share, and it is generating sufficient cash to invest back into the business and to meet all the debt obligations. When our view changes, we act. 
This was the case with one of our high yield rated companies recently, and it's an example of our cell discipline. So the company is Sabre Holdings. Sabre provides backbone, mission critical technology solutions to the travel sector. The technology is part of the plumbing for the flight and hotel booking process. If you're booking a flight with a travel agent, they most likely query a system run by Sabre or one of their competitors. When you board an airplane, the system the attendant at the gate is typing away on or scanning with is likely a Sabre or competitor system. And it's worth noting that there really only are two other global competitors. Depending on the country, Sabre is typically the number one or number two player. In normal times, Sabre generates sufficient cash to continue to innovate and invest in their technology stack and to pay their debt obligations. It has many attributes of a winning business. But we also have to look at the industry in which they operate. Clearly, travel has been under pressure due to COVID. Sabre was able to raise sufficient liquidity earlier in the crisis, and our view was the company could ride out the short-term uncertainty until travel slowly came back. Although travel has been slowly and consistently picking back up since the lows of April, we are now seeing evidence of a decline in the people passing through checkpoints and airports as new COVID cases surge. The airlines, which are Sabre's customers, are collectively losing billions as air travel demand has plunged and they see much uncertainty. Part of Sabre's revenue is based on a per-person basis or per-person boarded basis and with no clear path to a rebound in the number of passengers with a, with a new pickup in COVID cases, our medium-term view has changed on Sabre's cash generation ability and we exited the position earlier this month. We still think Sabre has many qualities of winning business and we'll keep it on our watch list until we have greater certainty air tra travel is back on the mend. I hope this gives you some insight into our investment process. Thank you very much for, your, for taking the time to listen to this and for your continued support. This podcast is provided as a general source of information and should not be considered personal, legal, accounting, tax, or investment advice, or construed as an endorsement or recommendation of any entity or security discussed. Investors should seek the advice of professionals prior to implementing any changes to their investment. Certain statements in this podcast are forward-looking that are predictive in nature, depend upon, or refer to future events or conditions. Forward-looking statements are subject to risks, uncertainties, and assumptions that could cause actual results to differ materially from those set forth. Although the forward-looking statements contained herein are based upon what CI Global Asset Management and the Portfolio Manager believe to be reasonable assumptions, neither CI Global Asset Management nor the Portfolio Manager can assure that actual results will be consistent with these forward-looking statements. Certain statements contained in this podcast are based in whole or in part on information provided by third parties, and CI Global Asset Management has taken reasonable steps to ensure their accuracy. Market conditions may change, which may impact the information contained in this podcast. Commissions, trailing commissions, management fees, and expenses all may be associated with mutual fund investments. Please read the prospectus before investing. The indicated rates of return are the historical annual compounded total returns, net of fees and expenses, payable by the fund, including changes in security value and reinvestment of all dividends or distributions, and do not take into account sales, redemption, distribution, or optional charges or income taxes payable by any security holder that would have reduced returns. Mutual funds are not guaranteed, their values change frequently, and past performance may not be repeated.